So that was last weekend. Now this weekend, we're going to answer this question about being unequally yoked. And uh, because the scripture that most people use for being unequally yoked um, is, is kind of used a tad bit out of context. And so, uh, so we're going to jump into that. You know, where's my phone at? If you have some questions, because this is a shorter teaching, it was longer yesterday because my wife, she ended up, when my wife and I get together, it just like multiplies. So the moment I learned to preach less, my wife joined me and then I'm back at it again. So now we got to learn how to adjust that. So it's cool. But uh, all right, let's look at 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. <clears throat> and this is very, very serious. It'll be very short. Oh, that's why I put my phone out. If you have any questions during this, uh, concerning this topic, don't ask me not about nothing in Revelation and the White Horse and all that, people. You'll be surprised. Yeah, you know, when you open yourself up for people to send you questions while you preach, I mean, people send you off questions. What time are you going to be done? Can I talk to you after service? I don't think what you just said was correct. <laughs> it's just... It's deep, you know, so I, I fish through it. So try to send me a question based on the topic. So let's jump on this quite quickly. Second Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Don't team up with those. Actually, I'm going to do this slower because I need to do this a particular way. Don't team up. Everybody say team up. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner? Everyone say partner. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live? Everyone say live. Yeah. How can light live with darkness? What harmony? Everyone say harmony. harmony. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union? Everyone say union. Yeah. What union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and be there and they will be my people. Therefore, come out. Everyone say come out, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Do not touch their filthy things and I will welcome you, which means if you touch their filthy things, God may not welcome you. And I will be your father. You will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. OK, now this scripture amongst Christians is usually used. Um, I can't wait until we get out of the building. See, y'all won't have to see past me for these scriptures. Next building, that's going to be a while. Y'all better pray for me because I'm going to act a fool with this. Woo! I can't wait. Mm-mm-mm. See, Saturday location was the, y'all don't know this. Side note commercial. I know I was about to jump in. The Saturday location is our test location. That's the location where we test out everything. What type of stage do we use? What colors? The lights. We put in the last stage of our lights. You know, computers. How do we do this so that we can, Act a complete fool for Jesus in the future. So now that we know that we did through all of the testing on the Saturday location, so any buildings that we go into the future, we know how to, okay, bam. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, and so uh, how I got on that, I don't know. Oh, that's what I was talking I saw somebody get up and take a picture of the screen. Okay, so, but back to the lesson. A lot of times the scripture is only used in the context of, of, of who you are supposed to marry, date, or, you know, I'm a Christian and I, I've heard this a lot where, you know, um, for all the, no, Christianity is separated into denominations. It's not supposed to be that way, but it is. So all of the denominations pretty much believe in Jesus Christ for their salvation. Let me give you a little homework in regards to this, a little backdrop. Okay, so you have Catholics who believe in Jesus Christ for their salvation. You have the Presbyterians. You have the Baptists. You have the Methodists. You have the Pentecostals. 
you have the charismatics, you have the four square, and then you have offshoots of that. So if we use for Baptist, for example, if you see a Baptist church, and then somebody, some of you have seen Second Baptist, Third Baptist, that was a church split, unfortunately. So it was one Baptist church, somebody didn't agree, so somebody started, well, we're going to start Second Baptist. Or like you have a church called New Hope Church. And so, and so if there was a disagreement, they start a second church and they call it Second New Hope. <laughs> Third new hope. <laughs> That's where that comes from. That's really, really sad. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, this confuses the world. If y'all all the same, then why you got all of these offshoots? Because everybody can't agree because of their pride and their foolishness. That's where that comes from. And Jesus died for one church. There's no going to be no Baptists, no denominations in heaven. Y'all got that. Okay, so sometimes what is useful, let me give an example. For example, there are some denominations that they believe in Jesus Christ for salvation and they're going to heaven. But they don't believe that God still heals people today. Or they don't believe that God gives dreams and visions today. So like when you see something that says full gospel Baptist church, that means that they believe the entire Bible is for today. Whereas some denominations believe that, well, we don't believe that all of that supernatural stuff that Jesus did. We don't really believe that he does that type of stuff today. Y'all see the difference. Okay. So in the same way, uh, you might have somebody that will use the scripture and says, well, if a Pentecostal who believes in speaking in tongues marries a Methodist Christian who doesn't, they're unequally yoked. No, they're not, according to that scripture. The scriptural definition of being unequally yoked is a Christian marries a non-Christian. And it leaves it right there. Y'all are mighty silent in this Catholic church. That's the other thing. Catholic church, things are real quiet. By the time you get to these, everything is real loud. <laughs> okay? So, let's look, and now let me look at it. Because you cannot... You, you cannot use that scripture that way. Well, and uh, because uh, the scripture is not just talking about marriage. When you read the entire book of Corinthians, chapter 6, marriage is never mentioned and relationships are never mentioned. So it's not just talking about marriage, it's talking about everything. Okay? Second thing is, is that this scripture is not talking about being married to a di- different denomination. So a Catholic can marry a Baptist and God will still say that they are not unequally yoked. They are equally yoked because the scriptural kingdom definition of being equally yoked is two Christians marry one another. Okay? And let me show you something. What I did was I pulled out all of the words and put them in three categories. So here's category number one. This is what the scripture says. These are the labels that God puts on a person that has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He calls them unbelievers, wickedness darkness, devil, idol. Well, I'm a good person. Unbeliever, wickedness, darkness, devil. But I come to church and I give. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not living that way. Unbeliever, wickedness, darkness, devil, idol. That's the category that is placed from God's point of view, not yours. We live in a world right now where people are trying to make God be what they think he should be. When you stand before them, in the words of the old rappers, you're going to get a smack for that. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Maybe y'all don't. What rap group is that? Let me see if y'all know y'all homework. Y'all don't know Eric B. and Rakeem, man. Oh, man. Unbeliever, wickedness, darkness, devil, and an idol. That is the term because 
The Bible says we are born in sin. You are born in wickedness. You are born in darkness. It does not matter if you give $10 million to the church. It does not matter if you come to church every Sunday and sing in the choir. It does not matter if you come every single Sunday. It does not matter if you don't cuss, you don't drink, you don't smoke, and you don't slip around. That is the label that is placed on you because you are outside of the light. So you have sinners that are good sinners and you have Christians that are terrible Christians. So that's the label on unbelievers, okay? Now let's look at the label that he places on people who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Believers, righteousness, light, Christ, God's temple. But I sinned last week. Believers, righteous, light, Christ, God's temple. Okay, let me give you something. The Bible says that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are taken out of darkness and placed into the category of light. That is your position. The same way that the president of the United States, his seat is in the White House. But no matter where he goes, he still operates from that place. Okay? Well, when you become a Christian, your seat, the Bible says we have been seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Okay? So no matter where you are, you're supposed to operate from that place. So a person that's accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, that is their seat. That is their place. So that's why they label you this way. You are now a believer. You are righteous. You are light. You are Christ. You are God's temple. Let me explain something, though. You can be a sinner, and just because you do, are a sinner, it didn't make you, uh, you did good things. It didn't make you righteous. You were just a sinner that did good things. Atheists give to the poor all the time. Okay? That don't mean they're going to heaven. It doesn't mean they gave some money because they felt some compassion for a moment. So because you are a sinner, okay, you haven't accepted us. Uh, so the definition of a, of a, never mind. Because you are an unbeliever, just because you do good things, it doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you righteous, okay? Well, you have to flip that. It's called the law of opposites in Scripture. Just because you are a Christian and you sin, it does not now put you in the category of witness, okay? If, you are, if you're an unbeliever, you do good things, that doesn't make you a Christian, if you're a Christian and you do something wrong, it doesn't make you a sinner. It makes you a Christian that did something wrong. That's why the Bible says you are righteous. Okay? Y'all follow me? Okay? Because what happens is, is that, that people make mistakes and they say, well, no. I'm now. now, that's the category of somebody that is practicing trying to live for God. We're not talking about Christians who practice living for the devil. Because there are some Christians that they like to come to church and just kind of blend in and just do the little religious thing. Y'all, coming to church ain't impressing nobody but you. Some people come to church to make them feel less guilty. Y'all, coming to church ain't serving God. I'm sorry. Serving God is what you do when you leave this little building. Monday through Saturday. And like I said, if the Bible says all of your tears are being recorded, placed in a bottle, and then converted into words and put in a book. If my tears are being recorded, what is my life being? You know what I'm saying? Okay. So y'all got that. So that's the category. So because you did something wrong, it doesn't make you a sinner. But there are individuals as Christians who live in a backslidden state. They just perpetually sin all the time. Okay. For that individual, they are now possibly a Christian who has now been put back into that category. And the door of light is closed to them. Okay. Now look at this other guy. Now you see the two categories, right? Good and bad. Now, look at what God tells you to do with those two categories. Next graphic. He says, do not team up. Seems like we're missing a word, but that's okay. It says, do not team up. Don't worry about it. It says, for a believer not to team up with an unbeliever. That's what we just read. 
It says, do not partner with them. Don't have any harmony with them and don't have any union with them. Union can get over into marriage. Harmony, you know, means that, you know, you got these churches, y'all, that their creativity is so low. Now they need some R&B singer who's, who sings foolishness uh, to, to help us sing a song so that we can reach the lost. I think that's a smack to God's face. How I have the Holy Spirit and uh, my creativity is less. I now need darkness help in order to reach darkness. And what they do is, is that they come and then they take songs. I, I told you last week about a girl. She went to a church and they sang a song and it was from, uh, from Biggie. And what they did was they took the instrumental and then placed Christian lyrics on top of it. That's the lack of creativity that's in uh, the majority of the body of Christ right now. They're so lame and so whack. They got to do stupid stuff. Okay, I know I'm talking about my own people. How many know you got a right to talk about your own people? <laughs> Some of us see, see, this is what happens when my wife isn't here with me. <laughs> okay, and so, so because they ain't taking our stuff and remixing it. They're not doing that at all. Because their stuff is creative. And I told you, I ain't got time to go into that, but I told you about what happened when that man was caught up to heaven. And uh, an angel took him to the area where music is created in heaven. And these demonic creatures were catapulting themselves up there to try to hear it for one second so that they can come back and give it to the dark side. I remember a song that Lil Wayne created one time. When I heard it, I said, that's a praise and worship song that was stolen. Now, the church would never recognize that because they keep, never mind. Don't team up with them. There it is. They put the extra word in. Don't partner with them. Don't be in harmony with them. Don't be in union with them. Don't live with them. I could go so many different ways with this today. I could really go so many different ways, and I'm going to keep it nice and tight. It's the Thanksgiving holidays. So we can get up out of here. Yeah. Bingo. So that's what he's saying. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ. You know, that's who I hung I didn't hang out with Christians. I hung out with heathens. I was going to the club six days a week, you know, hanging out, doing my thing, partying, all that type of stuff. You know, when I gave my life to Christ, I didn't dismiss them, but because I was doing it 100%, they dismissed themselves from me. So there was a season of me being alone, and then when I was fully committed to the light side, then I ended up getting Christian friends, real friends, okay? And so, because you know what, you'll thank people on the dark side are your friends until something happens. Get put in the hospital. You'll see how much they're friends, how, how much they're your friends, okay? So that's what it means by being unequally yoked, okay? So that's in the category of you shouldn't be, you know, let me tell you something. You know, because you know what some people do? There are some people, they like to deceive themselves. Well, you know, the only reason I go to the club all the time is because I'm trying to win, win them Jesus. Okay, let me get this right. You go into the club, you smoking and you drinking with them and listening to all the foul music to win them Jesus. That's right. Okay, how many have you won? How many came to church as a result of you hanging out on the dark side? How many? See, y'all? I'm not trying to be rude, but you're going to have to, you know what, today, my wife and I said this, we've been talking about this a lot. If I was a half-stepping pastor, this church, we could fill this sanctuary 10 times over. That's how many people would have joined this church. You know, I think people don't have a real revelation of what it means for God to be on the inside of you and for you to carry the presence of God, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. So what I watch, he watches. What I do, he does. Where I go, he goes. What comes out of my mouth, he has to listen to. What runs through my mind, he has to look at. 
and not really realizing just that part alone, then the scripture says that you have an angel that is assigned to you. And if you're married, it's assigned to your children also. Okay. So that angel sits there and he records and he protects and he watches. He's tried to steer you in the right direction. There are many a times that any of you ever, ever had this sensation where you're driving 80 miles an hour, but it feels like you're doing 55. Have you had the opposite sensation where you're doing 40? You're like, how did I get to my destination? Seemed like in half the time. Yeah, that's called angelic assistance or angelic resistance. When you're going faster, but it feels like you're going slower, it's because they're pulling you. The speedometer stays the same, but they're pulling you back because they don't want you to cross paths with certain things at certain moments. And then sometimes they speed you up. Okay, well that thing, that thing, that being, that machine, and many of them look exactly like, um, you know, those transformers. Transformers um, or some of these you know, superheroes, many of them look exactly like that. In Daniel chapter 10, he described the angel that he saw. And the description looks like, uh, what's the top Transformer called? The description looks like he's describing Optimus Prime. Because he said his eyes, she said, that's my favorite one. Well, that might be your angel, girl. Okay. So he said his eyes glowed like lamps of fire. And he said his body was like chiseled diamond and metal merged into each other. It says that his feet glowed. He said like they were in pillars of fire. And it said that when he spoke, he said it was like listening to thunder and all of the oceans at the same time. That sounds like Optimus Prime to me. <laughs> Optimus Prime is a low-level version of a real angel. The scripture says there was one angel. God gave the instruction and said, go in there and take care of business. It said the angel swung his sword one time and 30,000 people dropped. That's the type of dude I got. I can guarantee you I got one of them. I know you got one too. Because the strength of the strength of your angel determines the level of your commitment to the kingdom. Low level commitment, low level angel. 100% you get a dude the size of this planet that protects you. And that's the truth. I know a lady got caught up in heaven. She said she saw angels that were bigger, wider, and taller than skyscrapers. These were angels that were assigned to men because, you know, y'all got me out here in the deep. Let me get back over here to the unequally yoked. (laughs) So you're not supposed to be hooked up with the wrong person. Okay. And because that person will pull you in the opposite direction of where you are going. Some Christians deceive themselves into thinking, well, I'm the light. And if I jump in the basket with them, I can pull them up. Never happens. You always get pulled down. There are different laws. There are laws. I had my wife and I had to operate in that this past weekend. We had to go somewhere. And my, my, my very being was pushing back darkness. I had to hold the whole room in check. Um, that, that's a different law. But then there's another one where you tr- when you try to fellowship with darkness, the darkness is going to pull you down. The example I always use is get a bin of apples, put 100 apples in a bin, put one bad apple in the mix. The good apples don't turn the bad apple good. The bad apple turns all 100 apples bad. Okay? So remember that. Yes. So if you open up a business, I would behoove you not to get in business with someone that is not a practicing Christian. Because you know what I have found over time, y'all? The folk that don't live right love to connect themselves to the ones that do. My wife brought that out yesterday about how you got these guys, they run up and down the street, living raggedy and doing the wrong thing. The moment they're ready to get married at the age of 50, here they come up in the church looking for a wife. You know, I had a, hey, I'm going to go ahead and say that. There was an individual, I didn't, I didn't realize it until the Lord told me. And this individual, whenever they would go out of town, they were, they were living wrong, they were living foul, and uh, cheating on their wife, all that. And so 
But whenever this individual would go out of town, he would always call and say, hey, I'm getting ready to go out of town. I need your kids to pray for me. And I didn't think nothing of it. But then I noticed that there was, it was almost like a fear. Like, if y'all don't pray for me, you know, I might get in an accident. I might get killed. And, and, and it was, this went on for years. Um, and then finally, um, because of some other things that happened, the Lord revealed that to me when I was praying. He said that man was living in sin. And he was trying to use the grace that protects your family. He's trying to pimp the grace on you to cover him, um, thinking that if, if my kids or if my family prays to God, God would hear my prayers and protect him in spite of his living in sin. So there are people that will attach themselves to you, okay? They, they will, because they, they want to ride your coattail of blessings. They want to ride your coattail of protection. You got to be very, very careful. Let me tell you something. They will always come when you commit 100%. Once you commit to the things of God 100%, Y'all, all type of people, a long-lost relative will show up. I mean, a boyfriend that you missed out on. People will try to connect themselves to you and get you to do stupid stuff to pull you in the darkness. You got to be very, 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 very careful who you connect yourself to in business, in relationships with dating, and definitely marriage. Because who you marry is going to have an effect on your life for the rest of your life, even if you divorce them. And sometimes the right person for you is somebody that's going to be the individual that saves your life 10 years from now. The other individual that you married, they'll be the wrong individual. 10 years from now, they will leave you high and dry. All righty. Amos 3.3. Y'all? Amos 3.3 simply says, can two people walk together without agreeing on a direction? How are light and darkness going to go in the same direction and they are from two opposite worlds? You believe in Jesus? They don't. You trying to live right? They not. When you get sick, they don't even know how to pray. They don't even know what this is. They're going to convince you do every single thing to listen to the doctor. But what the doctor might be telling you is flat out wrong. I remember years ago at the previous church I went to, this family called me, and their mother was a great leader in the church. Uh, she was what they call a small group leader. She was a minister, been to Bible school. They said, you need to come over here. Our mother is demon-possessed. I was like, y'all lying. Your mama is not demon-possessed. I went over there, and I was like, oh, uh, maybe I might be wrong here. <laughs> okay? Because she was, I mean, she was acting a fool. And, uh, but long story short, this is what happened. Let me tell y'all something. One of the benefits of having the Holy Spirit is this. Nobody can fool you. No pastor, no doctor, no lawyer, no judge, no president, no grandmama, no person on the street. Nobody can fool you when you are connected to the light 100% and you live in it. Okay? So she went to the doctor. Long story short, they wanted her to put her on a simple visit. They wanted to put her on medication for something. She said that she could feel the Holy Spirit telling her, do not take this medication. But the doctor kept pressing her and pressing her and pressing her. She got to think it's this battle in her mind. How many of you know God is telling you to leave this alone, but you still try to convince yourself that you are smarter than God. And then when it goes south, what do you do? Man, something told me not to do that. It was no something. Somebody. She did it. Doctor pressed her, pressed her. She said she, the Holy Ghost was telling her, don't do this, don't do this. Because a lot of times when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, he doesn't say, thus saith the Holy Ghost, uh, I am telling you not to take this medication from this stupid doctor uh, because when you do it, you're going to go right down to the ground uh, and your family members are going to call the preacher who ain't got time for this uh, to try to cast this demon out of you. This is not a demon. You took the medication. Uh, he doesn't do all of that. You just get this uh, on the inside like, 
And the, uh, that feeling is, don't be no fool. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Took the medication, went crazy instantly. They found the woman on, yeah, from Detroit, y'all know this. They found the woman on the corner of Seven Mile and Greenfield after she had just given the title away to her brand new Cadillac, given all of her money away, took off all her rings and her jewelry and gave it to everybody, and then sat on the curb with a Bible and started preaching to the traffic that the end of the world was coming next week. Completely same woman of God who missed one cue from the Holy Spirit and rolled with that. Okay? Where was I going with all that? Let me go back behind this desk. I'm usually safe behind the desk. Okay? So, you got to follow peace. That's what we're talking about. You got to follow peace. You got to follow peace. You got to follow peace. So people will try to connect themselves to you to get you to do all type of stupid stuff. Because once you commit, here they come. And people will come to you business. My wife mentioned yesterday about a lady, you know, because we have six kids. And she offered to come over to our house and help with cleaning up the house. Well, my, you know, and, and washing the clothes and stuff like that. You know, fine and dandy. But my first mind was, well, I, I got six slaves called kids that can do that. I don't need you. Okay. Second problem is why we got to come pick. We got to come pick you up to bring you to the house to help us. And we got to take you back. See, all of that time I was driving back and forth. I could have cleaned up my own house. But then the other thing was the Holy Spirit said she's trying to get in your house. See, so people connect themselves to you. And if you the, the first law is to just be able to recognize who's light and who's darkness. Because folk who are in the light, who get off track, will connect themselves to you and try to pull you in the darkness. And then you have evil people who do good. You can't figure it all out. Y'all still with me? All right, let's look at this. We're almost done. First Kings 11, 1 through 13. Let's look at this story. How many of you heard of Solomon? Bible says that Solomon was the wisest man in the whole world. He was the wisest king up until Jesus that ever lived. He was the wisest king that ever lived. I'm getting ready to show you. It don't matter how many, you can have more degrees than a thermometer. You can have a billion dollars in the bank and still be stupid. First Kings 11, 1 through 13. Now King Solomon loved many foreign, foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. Sounds like half my counseling appointments. Okay. Now, God was not against him marrying foreign women because they were of a different race or they were foreigners. He was against marrying a foreigner because of their belief in God. Make that clear. Because somebody tried to use the scripture, see, that's the reason why it's supposed to be a difference in black and white and Mexican and Puerto Rican and North Korean and South Korean. People use the scripture all the time. Okay. One white fella said that, uh, that whites ain't supposed to marry black because the Bible says what fellowship does light have with darkness. People <laughs> use all type of stuff to justify their stupidity. So verse three, Solomon and his crazy self had 700 wives. Brothers like, man, yeah, he, he definitely, Jesus calling him wise. Jesus, I think Jesus didn't know what he was talking about on that one. He had 700 wives and 300 side chicks. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord, his God, as his father David had been. Solomon worshiped Ashtoreth, 
the goddess of the Sidonians, Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. And this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. On the Mount of Olives, <coughs> east of Jerusalem, he even built a pagan shrine for uh, Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and another for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Solomon built such shrines for all his foreign wives to use for burning incense and sacrificing to their gods. The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. This is what deep. The Lord appeared to this man twice, and he still got off track. Hey, there, there are some people that they believe, well, if Jesus just appeared to me, you're going to do the same thing you would do if he didn't appear to you. <clears throat> what verse am I in? He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. So now the Lord said to him, since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. But for the sake of your father, David, I will not do this while you are still alive. I will take the kingdom away from your son. And even so, I will not take away the entire kingdom. I will let him be king of one tribe for the sake of my servant, David, and for the sake of Jerusalem my chosen city. There's a few lessons here, but I'm going to just bring out this couple. One, it's just self-explanatory. Okay? God told Solomon, leave them chicks alone. Solomon said, no, they too fine, Jesus. They too fine. I, I got to get with these girls. And, and, and the guy was like, leave them girls alone because they're going to take you away from me. Apparently, they were too fine. Solomon made his excuses like people do, and they went on ahead and rolled that way. And then, now, what messed it up is, is that he messed up the future of his sons and grandsons. See, this is one of the things I'm trying to get people to do. Live right and live clean, because it ain't just about you. It's about you. The pe Let me tell you something. As a Christian, you will either disappoint people that's looking at you, or you will encourage them by your lifestyle. Your parent, I mean, your kids, watch this. Whether you live for God or whether you live raggedy as a Christian will determine if God even sends you a man or a woman. It'll determine what your children end up being like. It'll determine what your grandchildren end up being like. And this was so crazy here is that Solomon's father was named King David. King David was such a holy man that when Solomon messed up, God said, your father was so righteous that the curse that I have that you've caused, I can't even put it on you because the righteousness of your daddy is still on you. So now I got to make your foolishness fall on your son. But because your daddy was so righteous, I still got to give grace to the grandson. And that's why I keep trying to tell people, you know what? I tell, you know, I had a friend of mine, you know, <laughs> I never forgot this. He said, look, if you're going to live for God, come to church, be the first one here, but the last one out. Serve in every department where we got to kick you out the building. Give all your money. Pray until your lips fall off. Read the Bible until your eyeballs fall off. Witness to everybody until even the cats and the dogs tell you to shut up. He said, but if you're going to live in sin, don't come to church. Throw your Bible away. Don't pray. Pull up every pornography. Do lesbianism. Be a homosexual. Get in a bestiality. Have sex with dead people. Smoke weed. Do drugs. Don't have stuff. Be one or the other. Remember what God said? That's the language of God. He said, either you hot or you cold. But because you in between, I spit you out because I got more respect for Satan than I do your raggedy foolishness. Right, right. And anybody telling them that 
Stay tuned in January. Oh, I am rushing. <laughs> oh, y'all have no idea. Oh, I'm about to, I can sell the food. They don't even see what's coming. My sister said all the time, she said, she said, they don't see this coming at all. I said, mm, that's why the Lord had to prepare me for six years in secret, because they don't see this coming at all. Okay? <laughs> I don't even know where I am. I got caught up in my own. Okay, so, you don't live right. You, first of all, live right for God's sake. Then you do it for your sake. Now, you, when you do it for your sake, you, you have no idea the forces that you are affecting around you. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm off track again, but I only got one more. When my wife and I first moved to Austell, this is the difference between you living raggedy and half-stepping versus you living 100%. Now, when you live 100%, you're still going to sin sometimes and make mistakes. We ain't talking about that. We're talking about you are perpetually living for God. You're fighting everything dark. You fight. If I got to stand alone and have 10 million men talk about me and laugh at me, it's going to be 10 million laughing and talking because I ain't leaving God and I ain't leaving this Bible. We moved here in 10 years ago. We moved to Austell. Some of you heard this story before. This is what happens when because... This, this light and this righteous force on the inside of you can be gained or lost, increased or decreased every day. When you stay in it and you just keep on going, it just does like this, it does like this, it does like this. <clears throat> we moved down here, and the neighborhood that we moved in, the, the houses were not right next to each other. They were spread apart a little bit. Okay? So we moved into the home, and after being there for a few weeks, the teenage girl that lived next door came and knocked on our door. I wasn't there for this, my wife told me. She knocked on our door. She said, can I come in? Oh, I said, sure, come on. She said, who are y'all? She said, what do you mean, who we are? You know, she kept going back and forth. People know how to ask questions. And Now, this is the teenager. I mean, no teenagers ain't fake. <laughs> now, when it comes to things of God, it, look, if, if, look at all these church videos. Look at the kids. While the preacher's preaching, they're doing this. That's the way of telling you, this dude ain't saying a thing right here. Okay, teenagers don't play with stuff. The girl asked my wife, she says, what, who are y'all? She says, because the day that you all moved in the house, everything negative in our house stopped. Now, we never found out all of the negative stuff that was going on. I really didn't care. But you got to ask yourself, okay, what's going on where they equate the grace in their house with what happened with your house. The, the teenager was able to put two and two together. Now, the day they moved in, everything stopped. And they Christians. So she put two and two together. Okay, and that's when the Lord really began to teach me about how your spirit man is much bigger than your physical man. Most people don't experience that because if you keep going up and down with the things of God, you're in the day, out the day. Tomorrow you're singing. Tomorrow, you know, today you're singing for the Lord. Tomorrow you're sleeping around. Today you're cussing somebody out. Tomorrow you're reading your Bible. Well, that makes the light and dark going up. But if you stay perpetually in light, it increases and it affects more than just what's around you. Okay. And so, so, and so the Lord taught me a very, very good example about what happens when you stay in the light. And while the enemy wants to pull you out, I've had a lot of experiences like that. I remember I walked into a beauty salon. This was years ago. Walked into a beauty salon. I opened the door, and a lady in the back, you a Christian, ain't you? <laughs> like, well, yeah. I mean, I didn't have no Christian T-shirt on. 
but, but you begin to carry a light, and you, you can't even hide anymore. You just walk in places, and that's what you're missing out on, and you, you affect your world around you, and now this comes upon your relatives, it comes upon your cousins and your nieces, comes upon your future children and grandchildren, comes upon people that you might have responsibility for, comes upon your job. Lisa gave a prophetic word that in these last days, there are going to be some companies that the only reason why they don't shut down is because you're there. Some of you remember that story about David carrying the presence of God and something happened and he got a little offended. And so they dropped off this thing that carried the presence of God. They dropped it off at another man's house. In the Bible, you know, they have those old biblical names, calls them Obed-Edom. And it says they dropped off the presence of God at his house. When they dropped it off, it says the man, everything the man had began to just grow and blossom and increase. He started getting rich, 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 rich. Why? Because of the presence of God. And we carry the presence of God, but it can be increased. Whoo, y'all got me out here in the deep. Y'all pulling me out further and further. But it can be increased, 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 where now it goes outside of your body. You know, how many of you walk past somebody and you felt something funny? Because that works on the dark side and on the right side. Okay, they are real. You got fake witches. You just pop them inside their head and they, they done, you know. But you got real, real witches, you got to know God if you, if you fool with them. Benny Hinn says they were on a boat headed over to Haiti and the witches found out. <laughs> They got the conjugal stuff, and they said this powerful boat stopped in the middle of the ocean, wouldn't move, because <laughs> it couldn't press past the barrier that the witches created. So Benny Hinn just stood up, you know, canceled that out, <laughs> and then the boat moved again. <laughs> I've been looking for a witch. I've just been looking for one just to practice on. Serious. <laughs> hey, man, when you're powerful, I actually had contact with two of them, two of them. I never forget. Never mind. Just, the type of people that draw you away, friends, dating relationships, marriage, and business partnerships. So don't be unequally yoked. Now, some of you are in a situation already. Okay, and I'm going to touch that in a moment. All right, let's do this. Ezra 4, 1 through 5. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were rebuilding a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel. Okay, so what happened was is that things had gone sour. This group of people got together and said, you know what? We need to get back on top of our stuff when it comes to God. We're going to rebuild the temple. That sounds like us getting our lives together. So this group approached in verse 2 Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, why don't you let us build with you? For we worship your God just like you do. Sound like people on the street. I believe God. I know God. I read the Bible. I'm spiritual. Yeah, that's my favorite one. I'm spiritual. Yeah, so is, I tell them, so is Satan. Okay. We worship your God just like you do. We have sacrificed to him ever since King Ezarhaddon of Assyria brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the other leaders of Israel replied, you may not have no part in this work. We alone will build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, just as King Cyrus of Persia commanded us. Then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. They bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans. They went, this went on during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia and lasted until King Darius of Persia took the throne. I asked the ladies yesterday, because generally this happened to most ladies. You ever ran into the guy on the street, wherever you were, mall, store, club? Pretend like I'm one of the dudes at the club. You walk past, hey, baby, what's your name? Hey, I just want to talk to you for a second, boom, boom. And you ever, has this ever happened to you ladies? When you brush him off, he then switches to the dark side and cuss you out. You ain't nothing, no way. Yeah, yeah I'm, being, I'm giving a nice version, you know what I'm saying? You can get straight up cussed out. 
he's so stupid because he didn't realize you just proved why I shouldn't have even crossed your path, let alone say hi to you. Okay, well, that's what these guys did. Okay, they snuck, they saw people trying to do stuff for God. They snuck up next to him and said, why don't you let me help you? Why don't you let me help you? Okay, and they said, no, yeah, we good. I don't think we should be letting you help us because it's obvious they sense that if we let you help me in ministry, you're going to pull me away from the things of God. Now, what's deep is when they said no, that's exactly what they did. All the way down to they start hiring people to come against these people. So that's what I mean by when the scripture says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't be in partnership. Don't be in union. Don't be living with them. This is what it's talking about because they will pull you away. And the scripture says that it frustrated this group. It says they kept the first. How many of you got someone in your life right now that's frustrating you? Y'all better than me then. My wife likes doing that family tree thing, that DNA stuff. You know, I'm not sending nothing. I'm not sending nobody no blood. I'm not sending nobody no ancestral records. I'm not sending nobody. I don't need no new relatives. <laughs> All right. This person sent in a question, and we're going to answer it. Good. It's, well, actually, let me see this one. How do I deal with the difference between someone who is good for, hold on. How do I deal with the difference between someone who is good for and to me versus who I am attracted to when they typically aren't the same person? Um, I'm not quite understanding that somebody might have to, let me see, let me see. How do I deal with the difference between someone who is good for me and to me, good for me and to me versus who I am attracted to? Oh, I got it. When they typically aren't the same individual. Well, that's kind of easy. So it's two different, it's two, it, I'm, I'm going to assume, I'll put some assumption here. The first individual is good to them and good for them, but apparently they are not attracted to them. Uh, that's two plus two equals four. If you ain't attracted to them, then I'll let, let me tell you something. I'll, <laughs> see, this ain't that type of church. <laughs> this, this, uh, the girl, there's a girl I could have married before my wife. She would have, I know to this day, she would have been an excellent wife. She would have been an excellent first lady. She would have been an excellent mother. I let her go because I could not see myself being attracted to her for the rest of my life. That's vain. Mm -hmm, but she's not broke and hearted because I marry somebody that I'm not attracted to. And now I'm with someone that I don't like looking at, which causes me now to be tempted by everything else to look at. Quit. And I'm not saying this to the individual. They sent it a good question. I'm just saying this for everybody. Y'all quit being religious and deep. Be real. You have a, the Bible says God presented Eve to Adam. This is the deep part. If Adam would have rejected Eve, he would have made another one. Because mm -hmm. God is in the free choice. Free will. Free will. God will never, y'all, name one single thing in the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, that God forced somebody to do. 
None. See? So, so it sounds like this individual, they got two individuals. One, they see as a good man or a woman. They, I don't know who it is. A good man or a woman. And they said, this person is good for me. In other words, they recognize that this is a good person. But I'm not attracted to them. So then guess what you need to do? You need to cut them immediately and just say, hey, I'm sorry, I just don't see you that way. So that they can move on and focus their energy on somebody that might be their spouse. The other individual, okay, now I'm just assuming here they didn't mention anything about that person being good for them or to them. They just mentioned attraction. Okay, so, so hold, let me tell y'all something. Pretty and fine look real ugly when they act a fool. And back to the previous one, which means that if you're going to, let me say, if pretty and fine look ugly, then what you look attracted to is, not, what you're not attracted to is going to look uglier. Next question. I ain't got to dwell on that. Y'all need no script. Y'all, let me tell you something. Jesus didn't get no, see, some of y'all want chapter and verse. I'm not giving you chapter and verse. Jesus didn't ever, study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus did not ever answer everything with chapter and verse. Sometimes he just gave common sense. They said, hey, dude. Jesus, they said, we got to promise you, man, your, your, your disciples will eat without washing their hands. Jesus didn't say nothing about, turn over to Joshua chapter such and such. Let me give you revelation about hands and food and washing. He just said, well, what? He said, the, he said, food is meant to go in your mouth and into your stomach and into the sewer. He said, what they got to do with anything? Remember, they told him, they said, hey, man, you out of order because you're getting people healed on the Sabbath day. He didn't pull out the Old Testament and Deuteronomy and talk about all of the laws of healing. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, if your cow fall into a hole on Sunday, you gonna wait till Monday to pull them out? <laughs> y'all don't read the Bible the right way. See, y'all be reading it with all that opera music and oh, you had that. Next question. What about two believers, but one is on milk, the male and the female is living 100%? No problem. That's a good question. That's an excellent question. There were people when I met my wife, that was, well, I wasn't on milk, but I came, my wife and I both came from Baptist circles. She was in what you call Pentecostal world circles three years before I was. So spiritually, she was ahead of me when it came to knowledge, but not when it came to heart. That's the difference. Just because you may know more than a man doesn't mean you're unequally yoked. The question is, is he somebody that is pursuing living a holy lifestyle and pursuing the things of God. He might have to play catch up. Now, this is kind of a more of a vague question because it has many different areas, but you know, if I don't, what about two believers but one is on milk? See, I don't know if this is a marriage situation or a single situation, I'll give you both. If it's a marriage situation, well, you just gotta pray for the individual, encourage them to come up. If it's a single dating situation, you have to be very careful because you wanna analyze their lifestyle by talking. I'm gonna say this again. See, one of the reasons for dating, and I understand this, many people, most people in this room did not make that, but God, how many, how many of you thank God for God's grace and mercy to cover our mistakes? Amen. Just don't make any more as much as you can. Because <laughs> you tell people that, no, I'm free to make mistakes. And Paul said, no, don't, don't be a fool. God is not mine. Okay? But, but I said this because I even have a few scenarios all over the place, but I, I, and I, this is true both ways, but I'm going to use a man as an example. Single girl dates a single man. As long as sex is kept out of the picture, you force the man to talk. If it's not that much stuff on the inside of him, he's going to run out of stuff to say really fast, which will then help you determine where they're at. 
But see, when you start having sex with somebody, you really ain't talking about stuff. You're going to the movies and you're going to dinner and you're hanging out and then you're just having sex. And so you don't really learn the individual. And then every time you have sex with someone you're not married to, you put on a pair of sunglasses. Do it a second time, you put on another pair of sunglasses. Do a third time, put on another pair of sunglasses. Okay. After a few times, you're completely blind, but you don't know it. Physical blindness, you know you are blind. Spiritual blindness, you don't know you are blind until the Lord opens your eyes. And your eyes always open immediately the moment you say, I do, and get married. Then your eyes open. You're like, well, wait a minute. I thought this was Prince Charming. I married a frog. Yeah, well, that's how that works. You understand the laws of all of these different type of things, okay? And so that blinds you, it blinds you, blinds you. And then you're like, wait a minute. Hold up. Stop the press, as Batman would say. Something happened. Yeah. You didn't do it according to the law. I can't tell you how many women, and men, by the way, now, because women become a gangster. Man, the women didn't caught up with the men. Now I'm scared. You know, it's, let me tell y'all something. I hate to say this, and I'm not being rude to any type of sexual. Let me retract that in case I say something that make it seem like I'm trying to blend in, because, you know, I'm not a blender at all. But, but y'all, it's the, it's the lesbians on the street that's hard, not the gay guys. You don't know what I'm saying? Maybe you don't know what I'm saying. The, 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 the guys that are gay, they just come in acting like girls, you know, all flimsy and everything and, and switching their little butts sitting around like they little girls, all that type of stuff. I mean, that's what they do. I mean, I, it's not me making fun. It's just what you do. It's the chicks. We were at a, my wife ran away and was like, is that a dude? Is that a girl? She walking around hard like King Kong with a drink in her hand. And I'm like, I don't believe in hitting women, but if I make a mistake and misidentify you, What was I talking about? <laughs> what was I talking about? Y'all supposed to be listening. Oh, well, I was supposed to be answering the question. That's what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you're talking about, you know, two single individuals, then you want to talk to this individual, find out where their heart is. I said something to the congregation yesterday. My wife and I told them, even when you marry the best God has for you, you're still taking a chance because God doesn't control anybody. You can marry somebody that is the right person God has for you, and they check out on you in 20 years. They can commit adultery on you. Mistakes are made. They do something stupid financially, like me, lose 20 grand <laughs> in one swipe after my wife told me not to invest the money. See, so you're taking a chance, and that's why if your hope, your faith, and your lifestyle is not rooted in the light of Jesus Christ, you will stay depressed. Single, married, divorced, widowed, doesn't matter. You're going to stay depressed, because if you think being lonely single or something, try being lonely when you're married. Multiply that times 10. All right. So I think I answered that question good enough. And if you need more detail, just reach out to me privately and I'll give you more because sometimes you need to give people detail. Let me read this last question. Question for single series. Can a person who, know, now this is important because I am switching from single over to married now. But it's important because divorced people are single again. Can a person who knows they married the wrong person leave if the spouse won't change? I feel like I'm held back from spiritual growth because the spouse, ah, spouse just isn't interested in growing and pursuing God as I am. It's very frustrating being married and unequally yoked. Is there ever a point it's okay to leave if that person is not serious about the things of God? And that's a major source of what's causing the unhappiness. Um, let's look at this. You know, there's two scriptures and then we're done. 
because I want to answer this scripturally and then give some common sense and merge that into it, etc. How many know relationships can be hard? You know, I will say that a lot of even what my wife and I have talked, we didn't know when we got married. And most people did have, most people haven't heard this stuff. And so um, it can be, you can't be disheartened because there are a lot of people like, man, if I had known this stuff, I would have made some different decisions when I was single, when I was married, et cetera. You know, but, uh, you know, but it'll be all right. You know, how many know God can change and turn anything around? That don't mean you hook up with anything, though, because he can, what he can do. <laughs> I got to keep saying that. I mean, because, I mean, y'all, and especially nowadays, I mean, yeah, I'll leave that alone. First Corinthians 7, 8 through 16. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. Okay, that doesn't mean you just go out there and marry any old thing. You know, because I was listening to a minister yesterday. And, uh, <laughs> and um, he was talking about how Okay, that don't mean you just go marry somebody. He said, and now you didn't, you've done it. And now that the lust has been satisfied, now you wish you hadn't gotten married. Y'all got me? It's better to learn how to manage your emotions. And I'll get over into some deeper stuff, you know, next time in regards to managing the emotions. There is a way to shut the emotions down so that your body does not drag you into stuff. Y'all, I've met atheists who have refused to sleep with a woman until they get married. So it can be done without the Holy Spirit. Like I said before, I don't know this makes people look queasy, but y'all, if the engineering blueprint was designed in such a way where anybody you have sex to, you instantly got AIDS, well, nobody be having sex. How many of you know you can hold yourself? It's always one. Well, brother, I don't know. Well, you gone then. Just gone. Just, it's always, whoo, it's always one. So I say to those that aren't married to widows, it's better to stay unmarried. If they can't control themselves, go ahead and marry. Verse 10. But for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A, must, a wife must not leave her husband. If she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him, and the husband must not leave his wife. Now I will speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. So what he's getting ready to share, his saying is, Jesus has not told me anything specifically, so I'm going to give the best wisdom that I know. Y'all got me. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage and the believing husband brings her holiness to his marriage. In other words, in this particular scenario, it is the light that shuts down the darkness. Where verse I'm in? Verse 15. Oh, no, let me do verse 14 again. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now are they holy. But if the husband or wife who is not a believer or Christian insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? And don't your husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? Key word is everyone say might. might. 
So they're really trying to say, that, now that, let me tell you what this scenario sounds like. This sounds like two individuals, you know, I was going, oh, that was my foolishness is the club. So I'm just using that example. It sounded like two individuals, they were hanging out in the club. She saw him, he saw her, they danced together, went out, bam, they got married. Both of them are unbelievers. They are not Christians, okay? Then what happens is, I've seen this both ways, uh, the wife comes to church and then she gives her life to Christ. She goes back home, she tells her husband, hey, I'm a Christian now. And then the husband is like, oh, no, I ain't signed up for this. This ain't what I got married for. Okay. So the Bible says that in that particular scenario, if the husband or the wife that is not a Christian wants to leave you because of that, it says let them go. You're not in any bondage in that case. Okay. Which is interesting. I've never heard people bring that up before. <laughs> um, they always just talk about the divorce, I mean, the adultery thing. But they just said that very clearly. Then, but the other side is it says, but if they don't have a problem with you being a Christian and, and they want to still stay married to you, it says, don't try to leave them. It says, because you might be able to get them saved. See, so you married the person for a reason. And so now because you are a Christian doesn't mean you have to hate them. You might want to try, you know, now that can be frustrating, though, because now that you have because when you become a Christian, your whole world view changes over time. And now it becomes frustrating to have to now deal with someone who, you know, now you want that person to come to church with you, but they don't want to come. Okay. You want to pray. You want to read the Bible. You know, you want to stop watching certain things and listening to certain things and doing certain things. And now they're like, and what happens is it always, it, it, what happens is one of two things. That person over a period of time, as a result of them watching you, they will eventually break and then see something in you. Um, or they will break a rug from you and they just divorce and they don't want to be bothered with you. There's a great movie called The Case for Christ about an atheist. And it is a true story. This guy was one of the top atheists in the United States. They did a YouTube uh, biography on him first, but then they just made a current movie. It's a wonderful movie called The Case of Christ. Case for Christ. It came out this year, didn't it? Excellent. Ooh, excellent movie. I mean, that, that was, you know, I, you, you got to make a movie to impress me. That was an excellent movie. And it was about the very thing. This atheist and his wife, who was not a believer, she went to a church, gave her life to Christ. She came back home and it just drove him mad. He became so angry. And so he was a journalist and he set out to prove that Christianity was fake and it was false and it was a religion for weak minded people. And the whole movie is about his path as an atheist to set out and disprove this and how the further he went, he got smacked in the face more and more and more. Every interview, every research, everything just smacked him. And this finally at the end, he ends up giving his life to Christ. So, so in that, see that, did you see that scripture? You know, T.D. Jake said something that, that I very much agree with. He said that if Jesus was here today, the first thing he would do is he would make movies because that's all parables are. Parables are just simply a movie in written form. And he would be a master movie maker because he understands how visual that we are. That's why the parables that he taught. You had to visualize what he was talking about. He'd be a great movie maker, you know. Never mind. Okay, so y'all got that one. So you see the balance there. Still be frustrating, okay? But you remember, when you were not a Christian, you were frustrating your grandmama. When we get saved, now we want the person to come up overnight. Doesn't work that way, folk. Now you have to ex exert you know, and give the same patience that your mama, daddy, uncle, friend at work was praying over you while you were just doing your thing. But now what happens is when your eyes open now, 
you now see what you are miss were missing out on and now you are really in a rush for your friend to get it and that's where that comes from okay but you can't force people to give the life to Christ you can't force people to do anything last one Matthew 19 this is the last one and this is tricky Now, this is, well, let me just read it. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. Now, to make this clear, not male and male, not female and female, not male, male and male, not female, female and female, not two males and a female, not two females and a male, not two males and a dog, not you marrying a tree, not you marrying Bessie the cow, none of that. I have to say this because we have to change our bylaws so that people cannot come here and request me to do that. Let me tell you something about church culture. Whenever you see a pastor being sued by a homosexual, lesbian, bestiality, tree hugger, they want to marry a clown. All this is on the books, y'all. Y'all think I just come up with stuff. Let's see what I can do to make the congregation laugh and think I'm crazy this Sunday. This stuff is on the books. 50-year-old men have hired lawyers so that it can be legal for them to marry a newborn child. Now, I'm just letting you know, and I'm giving you forewarning. If you ever see me, like, take this podium or this microphone stand, and just clock it over a guy's head, it's because he asked me to do something like that. There ain't going to be no praying. And, and no, I'm going to just act a nut on your behind so that you won't ask any other reverend this stupid question. Anyway, what was I saying, man? Dealing with these heathens all the time, getting mad, as Aunt Esther would say. No, I was talking about something that was important. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. So I had to make that clear because, oh, church culture. Y'all thought y'all was slick. <laughs> what have you done to me? Whenever you see a guy get sued, it's because they allow every individual church to write our own laws. OK, so in our bylaws, it must say that as Lionheart Church, we do not recognize that the only union we recognize are a, a man and a wife who were born that way. And those are the only individuals that we will marry. So if someone tries to get me to do that and they sue me, the first thing the authorities are gonna do is, can we see your laws? Because they allow the churches to write their own laws. Most pastors don't know that. So as Lionheart Church, we're actually sharing this with pastors and our team is helping, other, helping two other churches right now get their laws in order because they don't know this type of stuff. I have the best organization for law period that exists in the United States called Start Church for nonprofits and churches. So say, let's see your law. Oh, well, sorry, couple. Uh, it's nothing you can do. You're not going to dine for them because their law states that they won't do this and they, we can't make them break their law because okay. we allow the church to write its own laws. But if they try to sue me and then the authorities show up and say, uh, we need to see your law. There's nothing in there that says you can't do this. Therefore, now the onus is on you. Uh, you got to marry them and you owe them money. That's why the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And the darkness is manipulating what we don't know. That's why you must learn to educate yourself. Quit going to the doctor's office reading about how butterflies mate. 
read other stuff about what's going on in the world, look up stuff. You can Google anything that comes to your mind and educate. Educate does not stop when you get a PhD. That's where it starts. Let's go ahead and read this. Haven't you read in the scriptures in verse 5 that, that he made them male and female? He said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Y'all, this is the last passage in the paradigm I'm supposed to break down this one now. In the kingdom of God, they do not consider your maturity based on you living on your own and then living with someone and then getting married. In the kingdom of God, you go from you go staying with your parents straight to getting married. Nothing wrong if you do it the other way. I don't think got this culture now where it says, well, you got to learn maturity by living on your own. No, you're going to do on your own what you learned at home. They don't really like that, you know, but that's the truth anyway. Okay. You know, you don't go, you go from, let me, let me give you the rules right here. You go from living with mommy and daddy to living with your husband or wife, or you go with living to mommy and daddy and living on your own <laughs> to with your husband and wife. Now living with mommy and daddy, then living with somebody and playing house to test it out to see if it's going to be okay for a while, and they get married. That's how you tear your stuff up. And if I just get, you know, I expect sinners to do stupid stuff like that. I just Christians keep lowering the standard. Anything is okay. And then they want God's blessing. I read a scripture yesterday. It says, men follow their own way, get the result of their own foolishness, and then blame God. Verse 6, since they are no longer two but one, let, one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Now watch this, verse 7. They said, well, then why did Moses, your representative, say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses allowed divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. So it's deep that there are things that God will allow men to do because he knows they don't want to do the right thing anyway. And I'll tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said, if this the case, it's better not to marry. Jesus said, not everyone can accept this statement, only those whom God helps. Some are born eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs by others, that's the Catholic Church, and some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom, Jesus and Paul. Let anyone accept this, whoever can. <coughs> this is one question that has plagued the body of Christ for the longest. How many would you agree? And I'm going to, this is where I close. And I, I'm going to say this statement. Let me tell you where I am as a pastor. Um, a single guy who got a divorce from his wife. Um, it wasn't because of adultery, it was just she was acting a fool. He got a divorce. He asked me this question a few years, I mean, a few weeks ago. And I gave an answer. And, and when I gave the answer, when I got back home, the Holy Spirit said, you didn't give him the true answer because you're scared of the level of the commitment. That was a word for me. He was putting me in check about, and, and he said, the other thing is that you're doing is you're giving the answer all the other preachers gave. And because it's a standard, God creates a standard, and when men don't like that standard, we tend to water it down or look for an easy, greasy way out of that standard. Okay? And so, but, but Jesus made something clear. He said, you can't divorce somebody for any old type of reason. Now, I will say this starting out so you don't feel bad. Many people have done that. How many thank God for God's, for the blood of Jesus Christ, Amen. his forgiveness, Amen. his mercy, Amen. 
and his grace. All of that is what has been created and shed. So when we didn't do what he said, that would help cover our behinds. Now, when we do that, we don't get the full blessing, but we don't get the curse sometimes. Um, so, um, so he said, you can't divorce your wife for any type of reason. He said, if you do remain unmarried, because if you're, because now if you divorce each other, we still see you as married. In other words, you got a piece of paper, but piece of papers don't work in heaven. Because when y'all got married, we put y'all together as one. Y'all follow me so far? We put y'all together. So because y'all wasn't getting along, now y'all went and got a little piece of paper with a lawyer and said, we don't want to be with each other. They said, well, we didn't cancel that just because you went and signed a document in front of a lawyer. Okay? So this, this, I'm giving you what Jesus is saying. So he said, you are still married. So if you divorce someone and we still you are still married, as soon as y'all get with someone, you have now committed adultery. What's interesting is Jesus stopped there and never gave any more instructions. And, and I heard a minister share this, and I was just like, I'm going to share this, but I'm still nervous. He said something, and I want y'all to roll with me for a second. He said, if I divorce my wife, Lorana, because when I talk about adultery, with adultery, God says you can step away or you can stay. It's up to you. If I divorce my wife because we just don't get along, we grew apart. Jesus said, either stay single or be reconciled back to your wife. And y'all ever heard of Charles Stanley? Charles Stanley, great man of God. Him and his wife got a divorce for this very reason. And he said, this is the reason why I will not marry again until I die. He said, because of that scripture. He said, that scripture says I have to remain single or be reconciled to my wife because God still considered us married. I heard him say this years ago. But I think, but how many of you know of other Christians who have gotten divorced and remarried and they got a good relationship? Raise your hands if you can't know what I'm talking about. Well, I believe this is what happens. Is that Jesus says this. If you, I'm going to use my wife as an example. I divorce Lorana. The kingdom of God still considers us married. Watch this. I then marry another woman. And now when I married another woman, I just committed adultery. But because I just committed adultery, it allows my wife to then go ahead and remarry. Y'all got that? Who didn't get that? So I'm at, be honest, because y'all, it took me three, four days to get this one. I'm dead serious. I'm going to do this again. Jesus said, it's almost like it's a play on words. Y'all follow me. Y'all, you got to think slick here. You could manipulate this, in other words. Y'all know what I'm saying? You can't think, oh, holiness, you know, and, and, and you know, you got to, in order to understand this, you could take advantage of it. Y'all got me. I'm amazed at some of the, y'all, there's a scripture that I wish was not in the Bible, but it is there. Because it can be manipulated to the umpth degree. It says, happy is the man that does not condemn himself in the thing which he allows. That's a scary scripture. And it's talking about food and it's talking about wine. We'll get to that on another day. Y'all like, I'm confused enough, Reverend, don't be going to something else. <laughs> Jesus said, Lorana and I are married. If you're a first-time visitor, that's my wife's name, is Lorana. Lorana and I are married, okay? Now, we've got an argument, and the argument has continued for two years. We're not speaking. So, you know what? I'm going to go my way, you go your way. Fine, then. Let's go to the lawyer and get this divorce so we can keep it moving. We go down to the court, and they sign the paper and say, you are now divorced. We sign the paper. The state recognizes our divorce, but heaven does not. 
And because heaven does not recognize our divorce, Jesus said, y'all might have got divorced on paper, but you're still together in the spirit. And the reason why you're still together in the spirit is because no adultery was committed. So because y'all are still together in the spirit, whichever one of y'all get married first will commit adultery. Which will free the other person up to get married because now adultery has been committed. And if the person that committed adultery asks God to forgive them, they are not cleansed. Y'all see why this is hard for me? See this is hard? You got to really be balanced. Y'all understand now how that could be manipulated and taken out of. But that is the truth. Would you agree? That is the flat out truth. Some of you, you're like, because some of y'all have prayed this prayer. Lord, if you just get me out of this situation, Lord, I will, ooh, I will serve you. I don't even get no time, Lord. I'm just put my whole wallet on the altar, Jesus. I'm witness every, ooh, how many of God got you out of that situation? Raise your hand if he got you out. Raise your other hand if you went right back into the same situation again. And yet, God forgave you again. So what I believe happened here in this passage of scripture, men, because of their misunderstanding, were using it to put people in bondage. When Jesus was actually trying to explain, this is the type of chaos you're causing in the spirit. And if it is not for our forgiveness, you'd all be messed up. Y'all got me? So that's as far as I can go, because that is a very, very difficult, it's the most difficult scripture for relationships to explain and that's why I believe you've never seen the correct answer. Because he said, heaven does not recognize a divorce. Okay, you do, we don't. So which, because, because we don't recognize divorce, with whichever one of you end up having sex first, or getting married first, whichever one of you do it, then we recognize the divorce because now you've committed adultery. Because we do allow you to divorce because of adultery, or you can stay. But whichever one of you do it first, that's the one that broke it which frees up the other individual, but then the person that broke it, I don't know where to go from there. Y'all got me. In my own case, it's never, I'm okay, I'm not, I'm still, I'm. So, as if you did not live for Christ more. You won't be disappointed if you got married or not, or if you didn't have children. Those disappointments, you all are washed away. The things concerning heaven, which we'll begin to teach more and more next year, in the beginning even, it's just beyond, it's beyond belief, beyond explanation. I was listening to a guy yesterday, an atheist, that an angel took to heaven. Um, I guess he was such a high-level atheist, they said, let's just give him an experience that just embarrass his mind. And just one of the things that he said, that an angel took him to a waterfall. It was a waterfall that was 300 miles high. I told my wife, I'm blown away by Niagara Falls. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I, can you imagine standing in what, what does that look like? What does that sound like? Can you imagine? How, and he said, he said it wasn't rainbow. He said the number of rainbows that emitted from this 300 mile high waterfall, you couldn't even number them. He said, imagine that. He said, and there were many types of music and sound effects all coming in and out of the waterfall. And he said, the colors of the waterfalls are what were producing the music. That's just a waterfall. So trust me, when I teach y'all on heaven next year, because I'm going to intertwine this with what we start doing in January. And that's why the Bible says in Colossians 3, 1 through 3, it says, put your focus on heaven. Keep it there to try to figure out what is there. Because that's what will help you live on this planet Earth. 
any of you ever been in a house or an apartment and, and once you got that new apartment, it gave you the patience to be in the old apartment? You know what I'm saying? You might have been in an old house that you didn't like anymore, an old car. You know, you might be driving a car and you can't stand this car. But this Friday, you picking up your new car. He said, I received that. I received that too. We all received that. Everybody lift their hands with him on a new car. Gonna do Jim Jones. Not Jim Jones. That's the wrong one. Oh, God. See, y'all play too much. It was the other guy. The guy in Detroit. Never mind. Lift your hands. Everybody gonna get a car. Okay. Um, but you had the old car. But when you know you're picking up that new car in two days, how many know you don't care who laughing at you in that old car? You don't care nothing about that old car. You pull up next to the Escalade, ah, I'm going to be joining you in a minute, dog. You do not care. Why? Because you know what's coming. Well, because the body of Christ is not taught on the other side and what is there, it is causing us to have impatience with our life. It causes us to want everything in this life because nobody told us what we're about to meet in possibly two months, two years, 20 years, whatever it is, a short period of time. So we're going to teach you on that because I have found that is... Let me tell you something right now. And I know some of you may say, that's a bad confession. Let me tell you something right now. I know this. This is not a faith confession. If all six of my kids lost their life today, I would not shed a tear. Wouldn't even bother me. I mean, you know, yeah, dude, you got a reality that we don't have because I know what the other side is like. I know what it's like. And because I know what it's like, it would be, I never shed a tear from my mom when she passed because I know what the other side is like. That's why the Bible says when it comes to loved ones, it says you don't have to sorrow as others that don't have hope. Because you're supposed to know what the other side is like. And for you all to have loved ones that have passed away, particularly as we're going into this holiday season, you will miss them. But if you understood what that other side is like, it's, the, it's no different than if, like, uh, Jesus, I can't even remember his name. Jason, like Jason's wife. She just went out of town to visit her, I think of her dad. Okay, well, that means that if she lives in Atlanta, that means that for a certain amount of time, she doesn't see her dad, okay? So then she got a chance to go see her dad. Well, now there's going to be a certain amount of time that she doesn't see her dad. Well, that's all it is with relatives that have gone on to heaven. It's just an extended period of time that you don't see them again. That's who you won't ever see them again is that you don't see them again. And if you knew what they were doing, you would be crying for yourself. And that is the absolute truth. You literally will be crying for yourself, Okay. It's the most unreal place that you have ever imagined. And yet that is reserved for us, for eternity. That's just our home. We're not even talking about what we'll be doing with God in the universe. Go ahead and stand. <clears throat> yeah, I definitely got to put up both of these teachings. This was completely different from yesterday. Hallelujah. Thank you, O oh Father God. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and lift your hands. Give God thanks and praise. Bless his holy name. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for those things that we have heard on today. Through everything that we have heard and everything that has been taught, we ask, oh Lord, that you would help us to commit. Help us to commit to Jesus Christ. Help us to commit to the things of God. Help us to commit to light. For you said, oh Lord God, that you are light and you said that we are sons of light. And there is no light that has harmony with darkness. That's why the Bible says the darkness could not comprehend the light. Thank you, O oh Father God, that you have made us lights in this dark world. We know, O oh Lord God, that how we live for you and how we carry ourselves will determine how bright that light is 
So we pray, O oh Lord God, today that everything that is causing darkness in our lives would be destroyed. Thank you, O oh Lord God, for those things that we have heard. Thank you, O oh Lord God, for those that need to make adjustments and changes in their lives, that you will give them the courage to do it. And we thank you, O oh Lord God, for it. Thank you, O oh Lord God, for it. Just everyone bow their head for a moment. Close their eyes. If there's anyone here, thank you, O oh Father. If there's anyone here.